Grace to you and peace from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was in high school, I, like most high schoolers, had to do fundraisers. I didn't love them. But most of them were pretty standard. You sell candy bars, you sell various types of popcorn, and usually you were going after the same rewards. That one awful keychain that fell apart two days in. Maybe it was a stuffed turtle or an inflatable dolphin or whatever it happened to be this month or this year. But one year in our ag department, they decided to do things a little bit differently. They decided to sell an electric company. That's right. I was to go around and see if people wanted to switch their electric companies. That was supposed to be what I was supposed to do in our ag department. Now, I don't want to offend anybody, so if you were in this program back in the 90s and you were a huge fan, nothing against it. I just didn't do it. I didn't feel comfortable doing it. It made me feel weird to go out and say, hey, this power company is better than the one that you are using right now. I felt like an infomercial. I didn't do it. I didn't sell not one single unit, not one person. I gave up one, not one name or phone number. This was different. It was different than the year before when we had sold trees or even the average Christmas time where we sold a box of fruit of the various types of fruit, which are still fantastic. No, this was different. It made me feel weird. There's just certain things that you just don't really do with fundraisers. And I remember thinking about that. When, when are fundraisers okay and, and when are they not okay? And, and about the only time I ever felt kind of awkward about it was probably the time I sold raffle tickets at church. Because it's church. And yet you're selling raffle tickets. And it kind of caused that sense of confusion. Was I doing the right thing or was I not doing the right thing? How was I to work this out? How was I to, to kind of figure all of this out? When, is, when are fundraisers something we should be doing versus when they are not? Especially in the church environment. Maybe you find yourself struggling with that same question. Maybe you're on the side of the fence that, that they are most definitely allowed and we should definitely do them. Or maybe you're on the other side of the fence and you're saying, you know, as a church, you should never do a fundraiser ever. It shouldn't be allowed. It shouldn't be tolerated in, in really any capacity. Or maybe, maybe you find yourself kind of somewhere in the middle there. Sometimes you think it's okay, but then there's other times when maybe you don't think it's quite okay. And you kind of, kind of struggle a little bit to see which side of the fence you're on depending on what fundraiser you're doing and why you're doing it and what's going on with that particular fundraiser. But no doubt, regardless of which side of the fence you fall on, regardless of your position, there is no doubt that you have taken into account a text like the one we have before us in our gospel lesson. Jesus going into the temple and basically... Chasing out. Cleansing the temple, we call it. That's what it's about. Jesus cleanses the temple. But a lot of times what happens is we read a text like this, 
and we miss a lot of the key points that are kind of at play, a lot of the key points that are going on. And it can cause us to maybe fall on a particular side of the fence that maybe isn't necessarily lining up quite where we think it is. So Jesus stands back and looks at Jerusalem. Jerusalem, which quite literally means peace. And he weeps. For they did not know. They did not know that Jesus was coming. That their God was going to come and visit them. They did not know. And they're going to treat him poorly. And we ultimately know where this leads. But Jesus looks upon Jerusalem. He knows not just what's going to happen to him, but he also knows what's coming for them. Now, what he's describing is something that actually takes place in 70 A.D. when the Roman army actually surrounds Jerusalem and basically destroys the temple, tearing it down stone from stone. And Jesus weeps. He weeps. He knows. And it's after that that he heads to the temple and he begins to chase out certain people that are, that are gathered there. Now, we know from, from other Gospels, and specifically the Gospel of John, that he didn't just toss out anybody. He tossed out very specific people. Now, in the Gospel of John, we actually find out that it's the money changers and it's the ones that were selling animals. Now, this is actually important. You see, because where Jesus was is he was chasing out people that had gathered around in something called the Court of the Gentiles. Now, the Court of the Gentiles was a location where the Gentiles could gather. It was the closest they could get to the temple. You see, they weren't allowed to go into the temple. That was reserved for Jews only. So this was as close as they could get. Now, I've, I've recently discovered, actually reading the, the commentary put forth by Reverend Dr. Arthur Just, uh, that, believe it or not, the Gentiles were allowed to sell things in there. Oils, uh, uh, so they were able to sell like wine or oil and stuff like that right there uh, in the court of the Gentiles. So that's not who Jesus is chasing out. No, he's chasing out those that had done the money changing and the animals. So what's that all about? Well, imagine, if you will, that you're an ancient Jew. Which means you have to sacrifice an animal as part of your religion, as part of your faith. You need to go to Jerusalem and you need to basically sacrifice an animal. And so how do you do that? Now you could raise up a sheep and take it with you on the long, arduous journey, in which case the sheep might break its leg or, or something else, which would then make it not eligible to sacrifice. Or you could sell that lamb, walk to Jerusalem, and then buy a lamb. A lamb that was there ready for you to sacrifice. Makes sense. We kind of understand it. But kind of like when you go to a fair and you buy a dollar bottle of water, but it costs you $12. When you're the temple and you're selling animals, you are the only place in town that's really going to sell them. Which means you can charge an exorbitant rate of money. 
And so these animals, even though they were buying animals, were being charged exorbitant rates by temple officials in order to make a large amount of money. On top of that, we're not talking like a small amount. We're not talking, because the, the temple area, if you've ever looked at the temple mount, it's quite large. We're not talking about five sheep. On a big festival day, they might sacrifice upwards of a thousand sheep. That takes up a quite a bit more space. And then they had pigeons, they had other animals. And so all was gathered there for the traveler coming into the temple. So there's your first problem. The second was the money changers. Now here's the problem with that. In the ancient Roman world, all the money had the face of Caesar on it. But you see, Caesar, he kind of thought of himself as kind of a, a god of sorts. The kind of god that you could actually worship. You could bow down and worship Caesar. He was a god, after all, at least a demigod status. And so if you had a pocket of coins, you had a pocket of little mini-idols. Well, you can't take a bunch of idols into the temple. The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods. And if you go through Exodus and you see the description of that, he flat out tells you, don't even make graven images. Don't even make these images to represent false gods or even me. And they have a pocket full of them or a pouch full of them. Well, they couldn't have that. So they had to change their money. The temple created and crafted this coin that looked like it had a little bit of wheat on it. No idolatry there. But now think about exchange rates. And you're going to get hit with an exchange rate going in, of course. But what about when you're done with the temple and you leave the temple? Well, guess what? All the people outside of the temple, they're not going to accept the wheat coin. They need that coin that has Caesar on it. So you get hit again with the exchange rates. So you basically have to pay a fee on the way into the temple and on the way out of the temple, all because you need a coin that is different than the one that you get everywhere else. As you might guess, the temple was making bank. They were making quite a bit with all of these things going on. And so Jesus comes in and he begins to get all of them out, chase all of them out. There was no space. There was no space left for the Gentile. It was the closest the Gentile could get to the temple. It was the closest the Gentile could get to hear the word of God, to hear it spoken to them. It was the last place that they could go, in a sense, for the sake of evangelism. Paul tells us in Romans 10 that faith comes from hearing and here all these people, temple officials and everything else, were taking up all the space that the Gentiles could use. The Gentiles could no longer get close. They could no longer hear the message. They could no longer hear the word of God. No, these money changers, they were all in the way. No longer could the Gentiles approach and pray. 
as we understand this, and as we begin to bring this to our own situation, we have to ask those same questions. Whenever we as a church have something that we're selling, whether it's one way or another, we have to ask, are we doing it with a sense of morality? Are we, are we taking advantage of somebody just because they happen to be at church? I would hope not, but at the same time, that is a question we have to ask. The second thing that we have to ask is, is this somehow getting in the way of the Gentiles? Or to say it another way, is this getting in the way of the non-Christian? The person who comes to visit our church for the very first time, the person who comes to visit our church and hear the word of God, is it something that gets in the way of that? These are some of the questions that we have to ponder, that we have to ask ourselves, and that we have to wrestle with. Is selling something in church, well, at least in the Welcome Center, okay? Yeah, it is. But we have to be cautious because the Word of God is the thing that is of the utmost importance. When somebody comes into our midst, what is most important is that they hear the gospel message, that they hear the message that we ourselves know, that we ourselves have been preached at, have been taught, have been told. That Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive us our sins. That he rose upon the third day and gave to us eternal life and salvation. This is what is most important. This is what we hold on to. And this is what they need to hear. The words of Jesus. In his name. Amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.